0: Uh, Our Secretary of State insisted, and this broke the meeting up basically in terms of influence, that this be called the Luhan virus. Hi, I'm Tony Blinken. I was Deputy Secretary of State during the Obama-Biden administration, and I'm now the senior foreign policy advisor to the Biden campaign. Let's talk about President Trump, China, and the coronavirus, and how President Trump failed to hold China to account when it mattered most. I, I suggested that we should have people in China at the outset of this event. And when it all started in Luhan Province, I would be on the phone with China, making it clear we are going to need to be in your country. You have to be open. You have to be clear. We have to know what's going on. But Trump rolled over for the Chinese. He took their word for it. People think we can do Congress by Zoom. Zoom is a Chinese entity. There's more than one one, you know, coronavirus. This this, this COVID-9 is one strain of that. There is no. Covid nineteen. Could you please give us your name, Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> Corona. They're getting millions and millions of these bankruptcies. You think it's ironic that Connecticut and Illinois and New York are the ones that are saying are the hardest hit in California. Yeah. We people
1: are on the brink of various bankruptcies. We U.S. intelligence officials tell CNN they are investigating
0: another possible source, suggesting the virus may not have originated naturally as
1: China has advertised, but rather that it possibly started in a Wuhan lab.
0: What would have happened if instead of just having a lot of jet fuel on this plane, they had had anthrax. So we could have people in the United States dying or what appears to be influenza when, in fact, it could be the coronavirus or COVID-19.
2: Some cases have been actually diagnosed that way in the United States today. Corona. Like a lot of you at home, I've been rereading my Mark Fisher lately in light of uh, coronavirus. And I thought um, I might read a little bit of this. This is from his essay uh, in Capitalist Realism. Capitalism and the Real. At this point it is perhaps worth introducing an elementary theoretical distinction from Lacanian psychoanalysis, which Zizek has done so much to give contemporary currency, the difference between the real and reality. As Alenka Zupancic explains, psychoanalysis's positing of a reality principle invites us to be suspicious of any reality that presents itself as natural. The reality principle, Zupanchik writes is not some kind of natural way associated with how things are. The reality principle itself is ideologically mediated. One could even claim that it constitutes the highest form of ideology, the ideology that presents itself as empirical fact, or biological, economic, necessity, um, and that we tend to perceive as non-ideological. It is precisely here that we should be most alert to the functioning of ideology. For Lacan, the real is what any reality must suppress. Indeed, reality constitutes itself through just this repression. The reality is an unrepresentable X, a traumatic void that can only be glimpsed in the fractures and inconsistencies in the field of apparent reality. So one strategy against capitalist realism could involve invoking the reals, underlying the reality that capitalism presents to us. Environmental catastrophe is one such real. At one level, to be sure, it might look as if green issues are very far from being unrepresentable voids for capitalist culture. Climate change and the threat of resource depletion are not being repressed so much as incorporated into advertising and marketing. What this treatment of environmental catastrophe illustrates is the fantasy structure on which capitalist realism depends, a presupposition that resources are infinite, that the earth itself is merely a husk which capital can at a certain point uh, slough slough off like a used skin, uh, and that any problem can be solved by the market. Um, And then he goes on to talk about the Pixar movie WALL-E as an example of that. (laughs) Which, that is
1: always what uh, really makes me rethink Mark Fisher, is you gave me the one on uh, The Weird, right? Yeah. Uh, Which is a great book, uh, but one of the last chapters is all about, um, like, uh, that Matthew McConaughey space movie where... Oh,
2: uh, Interstellar?
1: Yeah, where love is the greatest force in the universe or whatever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to read that, but, like, I... have seen so few of the things he's doing criticism of, I don't even really know how to dive into it. Right. But maybe I'll just read that essay on uh, Interstellar. I <laughs> but I think what he's talking about, you know, the the real versus reality, uh, reality is this socially constructed uh, thing that we all kind of buy into. And then, and this is like the kind of Lacanian thing, like lurking underneath reality is the real and the like? What is the real? The real is like, as the, what he says, like the like the unknowable X. Like we'll use an algebraic like term for it. It is un- it is fundamentally unknowable. You can only see it in glimpses, and it is like a traumatic void. Um, and he gives a few examples, like environmental collapse right. is like one such real. Like our our reality is resting on top of it, and we can only look at it in glimpses and starts. Um, and it's just and every once in a while it like breaks through uh, and that's like a traumatic occurrence when that happens um, and he points to a few others uh, like the the uh, pandemic of like mental health Ill- issues right. is one such real yeah really Um, another one he talks about that's very interesting is bureaucracy yeah kind of the oppressive nature of bureaucracy yeah is another such real and coronavirus is another such real uh th- we have we've we are, like, all experiencing this kind of traumatic break in reality, and you can only look at it so long before uh, things start to get very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, get ready for things to get weird, <laughs> <Yeah>. audience.
2: <laughs> Peter and I are
1: doing left Operation Gridlock today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are not sure the virus even exists. Yeah. Uh, we think it might be 5G. We're going to get into all of this Yeah, tonight. we're
2: going to talk some conspiracy theories about coronavirus. This is our
1: coronavirus. And episode. maybe
2: like, our, I mean, maybe that's even getting off to the wrong framing right away to right. call these conspiracy theories. I think it's just kind of an incontrovertible fact that almost always people living through huge, historical, tumultuous events... The narrative that is going on at the time when people are living through it ends up being very different from a decade later, two decades later, once historians are looking at it, what that narrative uh, really is. There's, I mean, so many examples to name. One that comes to mind right away is like the Vietnam War and how people, not even the people in Vietnam who are living through it, but people in America living through it, how they understood it, you know, the Gulf of Tonkin and... All of that, Domino, domino theory. theory, the the kind of narratives that they had constructed for how they understood it while they were living through it are radically different than how people come to understand it later. So we could call them conspiracy theories right now. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the right way to think about it. Maybe the better way to think about it is um, possibilities for how we might look back at coronavirus. Um, you know, whenever five years from now, ten years from now, yeah, uh, whenever we're—I mean, I think we're going to be living it with coronavirus for a long time. Not necessarily the way we're living right now, but I think you know the age of coronavirus is going to be two years or something. It's going to be a long time.
1: Yeah, uh, and the world that it births will yes, be with us forever.
2: Absolutely, but there will be a point where we are looking back on the time of coronavirus and i think it is certain not just very not just very likely it is certain that the way we look back on it will be different the way we understand it when we look back on it will be different than the way we understand it now absolutely so maybe that's the right way to think about it instead of conspiracy theories right uh, all we can do is project and guess based on certain things that are out there but how how might we be looking at coronavirus um, when we are looking at it in retrospect.
1: Yeah, some early attempts to isolate that yeah. X. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, with that in mind, this is the first of many disclaimers, I'm sure. Uh, some of our calculations might be off. Uh, you know, check your math yourself. Do your own research, Yeah, as the spider said to the fly. Yeah,
2: Wikipedia is not a source. <laughs> uh, all of that. Yeah, uh, well, so Dan, you can... Consp- you did some research here you compiled a few of these things yeah i've
1: been our uh, online gumshoe this week
2: yeah uh so i'm i'm less familiar than you are but i'm i'm i want to believe i'm ready <laughs> i know yes yeah. so uh, you will
1: instantly believe these things whether they're right yeah. or wrong Uh, So, you know, you're my best uh, partner to talk this through. Uh, And yeah, we're going to try to go, you know, some of these bleed into one another. Some of these, uh, you know, frames to look through the coronavirus or, uh, you know, sort of connections that people have made with it. Um, you know, things that people are trying to keep in the eye uh, as, you know, the spectacle moves on. And, you know, I, I think we'll do our best to try to distinguish one from another, uh, like one category from another. And, uh, you know, we'll try to rate them as we go on a, a scale of one to five Gs. <laughs> as you said in yeah. our te- text conversation preparing a for this Scale episode.
2: of one G to five Gs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, we'll... Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about some recent news as we go as well. Like, you can't really extract any of this from the political environment that we've been caught up in. I Uh, mean, we
2: have to talk about Nancy Pelosi on James Corden at some point. Yeah,
1: (laughs) every one of these theories has to do with her gelato cabinet.
2: (laughs) If she just opened up some of those Jenny's cartons, there were, like, uh, envelopes of anthrax. Oh, God.
1: All right. So, um... Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, yeah, we're gonna be jumping around a lot, but uh, let's try to uh, go through some of these um, sort of one by one. Uh, corona spiracies, uh, you know, early calculations on corona, stuff you might not be hearing in MSM. Uh so uh first of all um you know th- it's actually uh really well timed the way we did this episode. Uh you know, I've been like uh, obsessed with these kind of uh articles and theories for uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh you know, I I might make the <laughs> I uh, depending on how brave I am, I might make that homemade meme I sent you guys about uh <laughs> how I call it the Fort Dietrich virus <laughs> our uh, episode art yeah. today. Um, But, uh, yeah, so, you know, this was kind of well-timed accidentally. We were planning this for, you know, a little while. uh, But, you know, just this week we have seen alternate theories on the virus and uh, what's really going on uh, get a lot more uh, mainstream coverage, uh, even if it's really dismissive and even if some of those theories are, like, very off base. Um, you know this week what was it yesterday we had the Operation Gridlock uh, protests right or the day before yeah
2: so what these were these the protests in Michigan yeah uh, with I mean it basically was like a Trump rally yes
1: yeah, yeah. I mean well so that's yeah. how they dressed themselves everyone had like a MAGA hat on yeah. and you the Confederate know Confederate flag the Blue Lives Matter flag in
2: Michigan in Michigan
1: yeah. yeah tons of Confederate flags I mean it's
2: not like of course like Trump supporters in Michigan like wave Confederate flags but it's just so silly yes <laughs> like, yeah, yeah right (laughs) And, like, I mean, any idea that, like, the Confederate flag is anything but a symbol of white supremacy when you're flying it in Michigan. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, in Lansing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I think there's
1: something to the fact that, uh, you know, the way it was covered in the right-wing press, which, like, uh, I, you know, a lot of our listeners might not be familiar with uh, because, like, most of the coverage I saw of this was pictures of people, you know, pressed against the glass saying, you know, I thought this was a zombie apocalypse frame uh, from, like, a movie. Movie, but no, it's, you know, Trumpers in Michigan or, uh, you know, these clips of people that are cut off before they're really allowed to talk to make them look ridiculous. Uh, obviously, these people are, uh, to large degree, ridiculous and horrid and disgusting. They're Americans, you know. Right. Uh, and they represent the kind of possibilities for politics that are available in the U.S. right now. Uh, but there is something to the discontent there, I think, that uh, the liberal media often dismisses offhand. Uh, and, you know, I, th- I think we're going to be associated more and more with these right wingers the more you question official narratives on uh, uh, what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah.
2: And I mean, that's absolutely true. And I mean, that was just the whole Sanders campaign, too. Of like, course. Just being conf- – yeah. I mean, it's like horseshoe horseshoeism, right?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was interesting to see how the right-wing press covered this, too, because Michigan—why was this protest so big in Michigan? It's yeah. not really clear yet. Uh, but, you know, Governor Whitmer in Michigan has been floated as Joe, one of the possibilities for Joe Biden's running mate. Huh. And so a lot of the right-wing press on this focused on, so is this going to be Joe Biden's running mate? Uh, Whitler, as they're calling her, with like a little Hitler mustache. <laughs> Gov- Governor Whitler. <laughs>
2: that is so good. It's amazing. These yeah. people are so good. And,
1: like, you, you watch these videos of these people, uh, you know, they've got, like, their masks on that, like, I'm sure they were wearing at their, like, 3%er rallies just a couple months ago, too. Uh, but they're, they've, like, got their faces covered. They've got these amazing, you know, like, horrific cowboy hats that have American <laughs> flag print on them. And there's this clip going around of this guy saying, look, I just don't think we need to be as... Uh, reacting as harshly in this shutdown as we have been. Uh, you know, I did my research. I'm not sure it all adds up what the government is doing to react to this. And the reporter goes, but you have a mask, so are you worried? And he goes, yeah. And then he starts to talk, and the clip is cut off right. when it's on Twitter. So, yeah. of course, he looks like a shithead. Like, gotcha.
2: Yeah, like, I right. mean, that's just what they're doing on, like, whatever channel. Like, CNN or whatever is now doing the, like, Daily Show. like yes. Jordan Klepper things. Right. Where it's, like... Uh, like, yeah,
1: yeah. Or I mean, uh, oh, uh,
2: you ended your sentence in a preposition. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think I won this one. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: everyone, keep in mind that uh, clip from a Daily Show in 2011 when John Oliver goes to occupy Wall Street.
2: People are starving. People are uh, struggling to pay their
0: bills, pay their mortgage. They're being kicked out of their homes. Someone needs to take a stand. That sounds entirely reasonable. I, uh, I think so. And you're dressed like a viking. Uh, Yeah. I mean, when 1% has so much money and the other 99% doesn't, it just doesn't seem right. The way our system, the capitalist system is set up, I think inevitably eliminates the middle class. You know what my favorite part of that point is? You don't have crazy tattoos all over your
1: face. I agree. Uh you know, like yeah. yeah, we're we're not endorsing Operation Gridlock here, but like keep in mind when these mass protests are happening how the media is covering yeah. them. Uh, might not be the best thing to regurgitate wholesale. So, okay, so
2: uh, Yeah, also like I mean definitely we don't agree with this <laughs> Trump guy that's protesting <laughs> governor whitmer in michigan but it's not a contradiction to say we're overreacting and yet you're still wearing a mask of
1: course yeah that's
2: there's no contradiction there right and in
1: fact uh, if you listen to that's not a gotcha no it's not a a lot of these people are saying look i want to keep look i live in rural michigan uh my you know old mother lives behind my house and i'm not allowed to visit her and you know my little like uh my lawn fertilizer and uh you know other ingredients for thermite store that i run in rural michigan Uh, Like, you know, that's gotten shut down. Uh, Can't we just wear masks and, you know, take precautions and still do some business? Uh, Like, there, I mean, let's talk about that. If there are arguments against that, and I think there are many arguments against that uh, take, like, let's talk about it. But yeah, don't call these people just totally beyond the pale because they feel so disconnected from what their government is doing.
2: Yeah. And I mean, also, so like, this is not what these Trump supporters are protesting, but like... Of course there have been huge overreactions. I mean, we're seeing videos every day of, like, six police officers, like, beating people up on buses. Exactly. And, like, dragging them off the bus for not wearing a mask. I saw some video recently from Spain where, like, you know, it's an example of, like, what we could never do in this country. Where it's, like, there's police officers at every, like, turnstile when you go into the the subway. And they're just handing out masks. Right. At every, but that would never... First of all, you couldn't give some some like skinhead uh chicago PD <laughs> guy like a bunch of masks and be like yeah you're basically a walmart greeter for the subway turnstile right. like just politely give everyone a mask like that guy would throw them on the ground and like start wailing on people no yeah which if, is all that our police does right if you gave yeah. them
1: a, a temperature check gun yeah they would say why is it firing blanks yeah right i mean the, yeah these people we, we've so all this
2: yeah like that's all we've been seeing and i mean so many examples of police harassing people and beating people up. And by the way, when they're doing it, half the t- more than half the time they're not wearing masks themselves. That's right. And they're also not socially distancing, right? No. When they're beating people up. No, that guy. Yeah, who, they're not maintaining six feet when they're like punching people in the face.
1: No, that black doctor who was uh, caring for the homeless and got a arre- he got put in handcuffs. They took his mask off in front of his own house. His wife had to come uh, tell the cops that yeah. he actually lived there and show them his ID. I mean, yeah, it, like this, this, uh, pandemic is being used as every crisis is by governments around the world to crack down. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, one of the first examples of this, uh, I remember I showed you, uh, like after we recorded one episode, uh, you know, uh, like that video from France in some banlieue, like someone didn't have the proper, uh, certificate they needed to go shopping. And so the cops are, yeah, you know, piling on this black woman, uh, you know, they're not wearing masks. They're, uh, yeah. Like brutalizing this person in public. Everyone around in the neighborhood seems to be black. Uh, yeah, I mean, this This policing is happening uh, exactly as you would imagine it would. The only functional institution in our society anymore is cops in prisons. Uh, right. And,
2: and I mean, also, I mean, not that it would be just, not that you could justify that under any circumstances, of course, but also it's not like we're getting clear directives from anybody. Like, nobody has clearly said, You need to wear, I mean, I guess as of yesterday, I heard that like from the, from Lightfoot in Chicago, but like for the, for weeks, people were getting harassed by police for not wearing masks. And there was no clear directive that you had to wear a mask. Yeah.
1: In particular that, that case in Philly where that guy got pulled off the bus by like six cops uh, and people were texting the public transit authority in Philly saying like, give us some clarification on this. And they texted back, you don't need to wear a mask on a bus. Yeah. Like that wasn't the rule at the time. So, right, okay. So, yeah, we don't have to buy into, like, Candace Owen kind of uh, theories that, you know, New York is just use, is inflating its numbers of coronavirus to get debt relief uh, to have some questions about yeah. how the government is responding to this.
2: Right, and as you said, uh, the, the lamestream media <laughs> uh, and the... Uh, demon rats yes. uh, have a lot of, I mean, have an agenda which is to conflate any kind of criticisms of how this is being managed with, uh, you know, the most vile Trump supporters. Yes.
1: yeah, yeah, the worst yeah. things in our society. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's also, I mean, uh, that kind of separation is meant to push you toward those kind of uh, theories as well. Like, I, you know, sometimes I'm this close to saying Luganpresa on Maine, you know, but like. <laughs> uh you know this is uh, what you see when like uh yeah Liz Franzek says lion fake news media is like yeah you know we say lamestream media uh like that language sometimes doesn't exist other places it's really tough yeah okay so yeah uh, there is the whole uh there's the whole operation gridlock kind of uh take on this and i think we'll we'll kind of be referring to this throughout this question of like yeah what what is the situation actually why isn't the government like actively justifying anything enough um but i want to sort of uh, start our first uh, deep dive with this Whitney Webb and Raul Diego article, uh, that I sent you a little while back and I'm sure you didn't get a chance to read it. It's like a big read and I've seen Whitney Webb go on other podcasts and, uh, the host will be like, yeah, so I'm making it through your article. Like clearly just didn't read it at all. Um, but I, I have read, uh, all of the part one of this and most of the part two, part three is still coming out. Uh, but yeah, so Whitney Webb who, uh, you know, most people might know from working at mint press, which like, uh, friend of the show, Alex Rubenstein, uh, worked at Mint Press for a while, uh, wrote some great stuff for them. Whitney Webb is a big Mint Press standard, I think runs or ran uh, their podcast for a while. Um, And, you know, she's like much more on the edge of uh, the kind of acceptable... I mean, like, Alex Rubenstein, for a lot of people, is unacceptable because he worked for, like, RT or whatever. Uh, But Whitney Webb, you know, will go on, like, conspiracy theory podcasts and stuff like that. And uh, I think she is pretty reliable, but she's definitely, like, more on the uh, fringe in terms of alt-media stuff so this uh, article that she's published recently uh, all roads lead to dark winter this is on a website called the last American vagabond and like yeah you you know look into this website like not all of it is stuff you should buy into wholesale like again of course do your own research all this shit Uh, What website is, I would ask you. you Yeah, of course. Um, But uh, yeah, so on Last American Vagabond, uh, Whitney Webb and uh, this other author, Raul Diego, have been publishing this three-part series on some of the less publicized aspects of the kind of history of coronavirus, and particularly the companies that are involved with dealing with the crisis. And so this first one is uh, called All Roads Lead to Dark Winter. And for the people who, you know, kind of my first introduction to alt theories about the coronavirus, or whatever you want to call them, uh, like, my introduction, I think, like a lot of people, was uh, stuff like that global research article that went around that was suggesting that coronavirus came from the U.S., uh, that it might have been, like, a bioweapon, you know, kind of project developed in the U.S., either gone wrong or gone right, Uh, and, you know, talking about, like, the, the, this global research article is, uh, you know, saying, like, yeah, there are five strains of coronavirus, and the U.S. is the only one with all five, uh, and they will cite, like, some, you know, Taiwanese news channel, and the link is already broken, like, that stuff I really don't put a lot of stock in, It, it, but... Some of—and, uh, you know, I've I've talked to uh, people who, you know, are into these uh, kind of theories a lot more than I am, even, and they will say, uh, uh, you know, yeah, look at a lot of these like the virus came from America articles, and a lot of them are just padding. It's a lot of people who, like, they can't afford to be a real journalist, and so they're just padding their word count, um, and there's not a whole lot there. Uh, this, on the other hand, the All Roads Lead to Dark Winter Whitney Webb article, I think is really good on this and gives you a good idea of, like, when we talk about, like, Fort Dietrich, what are we actually referring to? What is there to talk about in terms of this stuff? So uh, I want to just read uh, from uh, the beginning of it a little bit and uh, then get more into the details of uh, this kind of take on coronavirus. Yeah, da, da, da. This is from uh, April 1st, so <laughs> do with that what you will. April 1st, 2020, All Roads Lead to Dark Winter. The leaders of two controversial pandemic simulations that took place just months before the coronavirus crisis, Event 201 and Crimson Contagion, share a common history. The 2001 biowarfare simulation Dark Winter... Dark Winter not only predicted the 2001 Anthrax attacks, but some of its participants had clear foreknowledge of those attacks. So, uh, you know, you've at least listened to the Truanon app on the Anthrax attacks. Uh, what, yeah. what is your take on the Anthrax attacks, like, I, going into this?
2: Yeah, I I don't know enough about it to, like, have a take... I mean, there isn't even really an official story. Like, right. I, I I nearly just said, you know, clearly the official story doesn't add up. But I don't think there even is an attempt to have an official story that connects all the dots with the Anthrax. We're talking about the Anthrax... The sc- the anthrax, uh, like, what? I don't even know what to call it. It right. was shortly after 9-11. The panic, 11, the... There was, an- there was envelopes of anthrax being sent through the mail to, like, members of c- Congress. Yes.
1: So this. Yeah. the first uh, envelope, I think, was received or the first... I, no, I think the first envelope was received and the diagnosis didn't come until a little bit after that. But the first envelope with anthrax in it got to someone on September 18th. 2001. So a week after 9-11 happened, uh, which means it came through the mail. It was sent earlier, right? This is in the week following 9-11. These letters started going out to members of the mainstream media. Uh, Judith Miller famously got a hoax anthrax letter. She got an envelope with uh, an inert white powder in it that turned out not to be anthrax. Uh, Judith Miller, who was famous at the New York Times for buying every government story about uh, Saddam right. having WMDs, uh, about them uh, having a bioweapons program in Iraq, all this kind of stuff. Turns out Judith Miller actually was a par- was involved in uh, Dark Winter in this simulation. So, uh, and, you know, also these an- real anthrax got sent to other journalists and to, like you said, members of Congress, I think members of the Senate. Uh, And, like, all Democrats, too. All Democrats. And this was
2: happening right during the push to, like, pass the Patriot Act.
1: That's right. And in particular, it got sent to particular, I think, Senate Democrats, if I remember correctly, who were holding up passage of the Patriot Act by saying, wait a minute, give us time to read this first. What are we actually talking about here? And then all of a sudden, they get these letters with anthrax in them. And then everybody freaks out. And the Patriot Act somehow gets passed a lot quicker.
2: Yeah, it was sent. uh, I'm on the Wikipedia page for it. Letters containing anthrax. Anthrax spores were mailed to several news media offices and to Democratic senators Tom Daschle and Patrick Leahy. Right. Killing five people and infecting 17 others. Uh, and then there was a, the, this article says it was a copycat hoax letter containing harmless white powder was opened by reporter Judith Miller.
1: Right. So uh, this article opens, just to give some background onto the context, like, let's say, of these anthrax attacks that happened in 2001. During the presidency of George H.W. Bush in the early 1990s, something disturbing unfolded at the U.S.'s top biological warfare research facility at Fort Detrick, Maryland. Specimens of highly contagious and deadly pathogens, anthrax and Ebola among them, had disappeared from the lab at a time when lab workers and rival scientists had been accused of targeted sexual and ethnic harassment, and several disgruntled researchers had left as a result. In addition to missing samples of anthrax, Ebola, hantavirus, and a variant of AIDS, didn't know that there were very many variants of AIDS, uh, two of the missing specimens had been labeled unknown, an army euphemism for classified research whose subject was secret, according to reports. The vast majority of the specimens lost were never found, and an army spokesperson would later claim that it was, quote, likely some were simply thrown out with the trash. An internal army inquiry in 1992 would reveal that one employee, Lieutenant Colonel Philip Zack, had been caught on camera secretly entering the lab to conduct unauthorized research apparently involving anthrax, the Hartford Current would later report. Despite this, Zack would continue to do infectious disease research for pharmaceutical giant Eli Lilly and would collaborate with the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, NIAID, uh, throughout the 1990s. The Current had also noted that a numerical counter on a piece of lab equipment had been rolled back to hide work done by the mystery researcher, later revealed to be Zach, who left the misspelled label anthrax in the machine's electronic memory. The Current's uh, report further detailed the extremely lax security controls and chaotic disorganization that then characterized the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases, USAMRID, lab in Fort Detrick. So when people talk about, you know, Fort Detrick in Maryland, Uh, They're usually specifically talking about uh, U.S. AMRID is this uh, U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases. Uh, There is just no way to categorize U.S. AMRID other than it's a biowarfare lab that the U.S. government runs. Right. They produce and keep and maintain and test— biological weapons uh, weapons of mass destruction <laughs> this same la- this is back to the article this same lab would a decade later be officially labeled as the sor- officially labeled as the source of the anthrax spores responsible for the 2001 anthrax attacks
2: yeah so it's it's not controversial that the anthrax in the 2001 attacks came from Fort Detrick that's right that's not i don't think they've necessarily pointed to a specific person that was responsible. That's
1: right. And in fact, yeah,
2: it's not a it's it's incontrovertible that it it came out of uh, Fort Detroit.
1: That's right. A lot of people, when they remember the early days after 9-11, they think, oh, yeah, there were all these other attacks. There were all these weird things like the anthrax attacks. Terrorists were sending anthrax through the mail. Well, yeah. I mean, some terrorist was, but that terrorist might have been the U.S. government. Yeah. Uh, and so exactly, like, the the last person who was accused by the government, I think by the FBI, of being the person responsible for the anthrax attacks was one of the researchers at U.S. Amrit at Fort Detrick uh, who killed himself, quote unquote, yeah. before he was able to be put on trial and the investigation ended. Sound like anything you've heard of? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh,
2: he broke his high o oh, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, right, there's a lot that remains unknown or controversial about the 2001 Anthrax attacks, but what is agreed on by everyone is that it came from Fort Detrick- and it was being sent to Democratic Cong- members of Congress who were trying to hold up the passage of the Patriot Act.
1: Those are the uncontroversial facts. Yeah. Nobody disputes those. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the more you look into the history of this lab, the weirder the history gets. And the more, again, holes we have in what was going on there. Uh, and, you know, it's very possible we will never know the full story of what happened in 2001 with these anthrax attacks, uh, let alone, you know, what's yeah. going on now, uh, he intoned grimly. But— Yeah, these are some of the facts. Uh, As the investigation, this is from the article, as the investigation into the 2001 anthrax attacks unfolded, accusations from major U.S. newspapers soon emerged that the FBI was deliberately sabotaging the probe to protect the anthrax attacker and that the CIA and U.S. military intelligence had refused to cooperate with the investigation. The FBI did not officially close their investigation into the 2001 anthrax attacks, nicknamed Amerithrax, until 2010, and aspects of that investigation still remain classified more recently so this is where you know we start to get into recent history uh this past july that's july 2019 the same fort dietrich lab would be shut down by the cdc after it was found that researchers did not maintain an accurate or current inventory for toxins and quote failed to safeguard against unauthorized access to select agents
2: yeah they they left the smallpox fridge open. Yes. Like, yeah, like seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. They um yeah. They left they left like the keys uh <laughs> on the like uh right next to the like lock box for uh like they left the keys in the lock for uh bubonic play. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, Mr. Yeah. Bean
2: got an MD really quickly yeah. <laughs> somehow. Came out
1: of South Africa yeah. where he was studying.
2: Yeah, the the um yeah, all of the 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 lab techs are like putting their lunches in the same fridge that they're like they have like frozen vials of like mammoth flesh that like are <laughs> harboring diseases we can only imagine. It's like, oh, is this your yogurt or is this my uh, petri dish of uh, of anthrax? Yep, yep. Uh, and you yeah. know, uh, and I and like that's also part of our point. Like, yeah. Um, The the problem with many conspiracy theories is that they posit, you know, some, like, mysterious entity that works with, like, perfect effectiveness and is able to, like, keep secrets and and execute on its plans perfectly. And obviously, that's just not how people work. Like, uh, one of the things that makes Fort Detrick most dangerous is is not only this possibility that they might have been (laughs) mailing Anthrax to, like... Um, you know, pass the Patriot Act or whatever, but, but it is also just that, you know, human error is inevitable. Uh, in any kind of venture, but especially when the American government is involved.
1: Exactly, and yeah. when we're talking about you know uh, climate change, uh, you know uh, surpassing like the threat of nuclear annihilation as you know a species-threatening extinction event uh, that we have to worry about. That threat from nuclear war might temporarily be uh, feel less heightened, right? Yeah, right. But militarism is still a species-threatening extinction-level threat to humanity, yeah. right? Uh, whether it is nuclear war, uh, which, again, could happen any day. Israel has nukes. Pakistan has nukes. India has nukes. Uh, if you if you really believe that India has a fascist government, they, sorry, they have nukes now. Yeah. Uh, it's out of our control what happens with those. But certainly, if the U.S. is maintaining a bioweapons lab that has stuff as dangerous as anthrax and two samples
2: labeled unknown... Yeah, and they're just, like, losing shit. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, forget... Yeah, imagine there is no well-oiled machine that is conspiratorially you know siphoning off some of this stuff at least to have it somewhere where you don't know Yeah,
2: even if you believe despite like some really compelling evidence that that's just insane conspiracy theorizing uh like the cdc tried to shut them down because they suck at this yes and they they're they're uh yeah (laughs) like i mean the yeah i mean it like if you're yeah you're working in the military and like you know you, like, crash too many planes or whatever, or you're, like, a complete incompetent fuck-up. You go right to Fort Detrick. Yeah, they send you to Fort Detrick. Like, uh, yeah, to, and like, mislabel anthrax vials right, and shit. Right. Yeah. And this
1: is something that, when you look into uh, 9-11 truth stuff, uh, like, whatever it is, uh, any kind of, like, conspiracy theory shit, uh, something that's consistent is, like, the stuff that is incontrovertible is just the uh, the level of incompetence cannot be accidental at some point. Like, the chaos <laughs> in f- the Fort Detrick, U.S. Amrid bio-warfare lab, uh, like, seems intentional.
2: Yeah, uh, and right, and at a certain point, it has been this way for decades, and people are aware of it. So at a certain point, yeah, right, they just, they're either... <laughs> Okay with it, or it's kind of the point of it, right. or or something, right? Like, yeah. Right. But I mean, it, it's not just like this, um, uh, you know, this like uh, overlooked thing. Like, how could this have happened? Like, they've th- this has been on their radar for like decades,
1: seriously. Yeah. And so, just to get back into you know the more recent timeline, so in this past July, July 2019, the CDC shut down the Fort Detrick lab. The closure of the lab for its numerous breaches of biosafety protocols would be hidden from Congress, and the facility would controversially be partially reopened last November, before all of the identified biosafety issues were resolved. Now, people might not understand like the timeline of coronavirus, right? Yeah. Uh, especially because we keep hearing that you know China delayed this uh, reporting by six days in January, and so they need to be wiped off the face yeah. of the earth now. But Cases have been documented as far back as November in China that were misdiagnosed as the flu at the time, but have been posthumously or retroactively diagnosed positively as coronavirus. Like, there were cases in November of this stuff. And sorry, Fort Detrick did open up again without fixing any of these (laughs) issues in November. Okay.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So just to keep that in your mind as we go forward, all right? Uh, The same day that the lab was controversially allowed to partially reopen, uh, which was the result of heavy lobbying from the Pentagon, local news outlets reported that the lab had suffered, quote, two breaches of containment last year, (laughs) though the nature of those breaches and the pathogens involved were redacted in the inspection findings report obtained by the Frederick News Post. Notably, US AMRID has, since the 1980s, worked closely with virologists and virology labs in Wuhan, China. Where the first epicenter of the current novel coronavirus COVID 19 cases emerged, the Chinese government has since alleged that the virus has been uh, brought to China by members of the U.S. military, members of which attended the World Military Games in the country last October. Okay, and so this is where I also want to give a disclaimer for Whitney Webb as well, because I've li- I've listened to her on a bunch of podcasts to prepare for this app and stuff like that, and I I love her. I think she's a really important independent journalist. Blah blah blah. Um, I do think she is. A- libertarian yeah and i don't think she's totally trustworthy on these issues of like understanding empire and u.s empire as it functions in the world totally uh you know i I saw her on one podcast say stuff like you are right to distrust china i'm gonna be pretty upfront and and just admit that i um, am just a big critic of the government in general the state in general just as you know an entity yeah i think you're right to distrust china i think um you know i think honestly um there's a problem in independent media where like a lot of people that are critical of the u.s government tend to be really sympathetic to either china or russia or or any other rival state um i think you know your approach is good uh honestly we should distrust anything any government is saying governments lie period i don't really care if they're aligned with the u.s or not they're just it's just you know the president but like governments lie when it's in their interest to lie that's what they do you know and she has talked about this is true that uh, Wuhan, China has, uh, the you know, uh, as, as Joe Biden uh, calls it, Luhan province in China, uh, <laughs> actually does have the most advi- advanced uh, bioweapons research, or not bioweapons as they call it, but like, uh, you know, uh, like a serious bioagents lab uh, that's run by the military in China is in Wuhan. Uh, that is true. Yeah. And, like, again... Uh, so, first of all, you know, this, art- this article notis- uh, notes it, and you can find this online, do your research. Uh, there have been exercises jointly performed between the U.S. military and the Chinese military in Wuhan in these bio-warfare labs. So... It's not like China has been doing this as a rogue state. This has been suborned and encouraged and cooperated with by the Pentagon.
2: Yeah, right. And
1: who knows what the U.S. military was doing while it was over there that the Chinese knew about, that the Chinese didn't know about. Uh, And again, you know, like with nuclear weapons, uh, why wouldn't China have bioweapons labs if the U.S.
2: has them? Yeah. Yeah, right. And yeah, I mean, China might have their own Fort Detrick. I doubt it's like run by Homer Simpson. (laughs) The way Fort Detrick is, <laughs> like uh, you know, the like red light bulb over his desk like starts blaring, and he just presses buttons and more it like COVID
1: nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, it it is also like I'm not saying it's not possible that like this uh, you know uh, coronavirus leaked from. If we're saying it's possible, it leaked from the Fort Detrick lab, then, like, of course it's possible it leaked from the lab in Wuhan run by the Chinese government, the Chinese military, but it's also really interesting, like, does does the fact that the coronavirus originated, uh, you know, allegedly in Wuhan, and that, of course, the first big outbreak was there, inarguably... Does that point to the fact that China could be responsible for this uh, breach if it's a breach? Or does it point to the fact that that's actually a really good narrative for the U.S. military yeah, right. to develop, right? Like, And this is the point, uh, not just that there is actually a lot of historical uh, continuity between the anthrax attacks and the people involved in them directly in 2001 and the people who are involved in the coronavirus crisis today in, uh, you know, the defense against it, as they understand it, as they put it forward. Uh, There's this historical continuity. The same people are involved, literally. Uh, But there's also this parallel in the way the virus is being talked about as this war that we are now engaged in. And who is the enemy more and more? You're seeing this from the uh, Democrats, from the Republicans, from Trump, from Steve Bannon, we'll talk more about later, Uh, is China is... The Iraq equivalent, if you're drawing any kind of parallel to the anthrax attacks uh, or to 9-11 as uh, a causes belly.
2: So, yeah. And I mean, I have been very alarmed by, like, the mainstream media, like, new Cold War kind of stuff. I mean, like, during the last democratic debate when it was just uh Sanders and Biden and they were like how are you going to punish China for like starting coronavirus but it's everywhere it has just become so ubiquitous like first of all that China is lying about their death numbers can't or trust them can't trust them and like uh and that you know they're responsible The like communism kills uh that like right wing think tank that like has the black book of communism like a hundred million deaths uh are going to like attribute every coronavirus death in the world to the chinese communist party
1: right the same way they attribute the death of every soviet soldier who got killed by the nazis to communism and
2: also the nazis that were killed by the red army right yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i right of course that like communism kills kills thing is absurd uh but i mean i think it just speaks to like a bigger trend where like I I am feeling this drumbeat to Cold War with China,
1: yeah, in a really strong way. At least, and I mean, you you see this all over. First of all, we have the U.S. military has engaged in new exercises in the Pacific to show China we're serious since the virus hit the U.S. in a big way. Uh, You know, while uh, the virus is ravaging naval ships in the U.S. and, uh, you know, this blockade of Venezuela has gone through without any talk in the mainstream media about it. There have been ships sent to Venezuela to uh, deal with narco- Trafficking, they say. At the same time that, like, th- they've started prosecuting uh, uh, Nicolas Maduro in absentia or whatever uh, for being a narco trafficker, allegedly. I mean, they could make war on Venezuela tomorrow. Uh, like, we might not have a hot war with China, but a hot wars other places could really come out of this uh, and could be made a lot easier for the government to get it through by this crisis. So, okay. Uh, So, you know, uh, this is kind of the background for what we're talking about when we talk about Fort Detrick. This is my number one COVID-spiracy or whatever. Okay. I would rate this 5 Gs. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, there is just like way too much in this article to get into all of it. Um, some of the most interesting stuff I, I just want to uh, point out is uh, has to do with this guy Jerome Hower. Okay, so this so first of all, this dark winter uh, scenario. There was this uh, dark winter uh, simulation, which I don't even really understand what. Uh, like they mean by a simulation here. I imagine it's kind of like when I did Model UN and we would have like crisis councils or whatever (laughs) uh, is like, yeah, people playing pretend. Uh, But basically this dark winter scenario is really a creepy event. uh, Let me look up when this... Happened exactly. Is so. this in,
2: this is the same article? This is in it's this article. It's just such a long article. It's so yeah.
1: long. Like it really, it really takes a long time to get through it. But so this, this uh, exercise happened in June, 2001. It was called Dark Winter. Uh, it quote unquote predicted many aspects of government pandemic response that would later reemerge in last October's simulation event 201, which predicted a global pandemic caused by a novel coronavirus just months before the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, in addition, the US government would lead its own multi-part series of pandemic simulations called Crimson Contagion that would also predict aspects of the COVID-19 outbreak and government response. Uh, Upon further investigation, key leaders of both Event 201 and Crimson Contagion not only have deep and long-standing ties to U.S. intelligence and the U.S. Department of Defense, like, duh, uh, they were all previously involved in that same June 2001 exercise, Dark Winter. Uh, And, you know, this goes on, like, really, it would take us way too long to read all of this. Uh, But so Dark Winter was done in June 2001. It was basically uh, a simulation Uh, where, yeah, a bunch of, like, the big minds, uh, behind the neocon movement, and, like, Judith Miller was involved in this, uh, scenario, this, uh, simulation, uh, they played out what would happen if a smallpox, it wasn't anthrax, but it was smallpox attacks started breaking out across the U.S., And, uh, like, people who were involved in, uh, and, you know, the, the simulation suggests officially, within its terms, that Saddam Hussein was using Soviet biowarfare experts to get smallpox out through, uh, like, Al-Qaeda-type groups, they call them, like, Islamic extremist groups, in Afghanistan. It is just the whole script for the 9-11 theory and the theory to go to war after 9-11, but prepared in... June 2001, and it is very creepy, and so uh, once you start getting into, like, who was involved here, uh, it gets very weird so I want to get to this guy, Jerome Hauer in particular, uh, this is uh, a little ways down in the article, weeks before the first anthrax case would be discovered on the evening of September 11th 2001, then-Vice President Dick Cheney's staff was told to start taking injections of the antibiotic Cipro in order to prevent anthrax infection In addition, at least one member of the press, journalist Richard Cohen, then at the Washington Post, had also been told to take Cipro soon after September 11th after receiving a tip, quote, in a roundabout way from a high government official. Who exactly in the Bush administration and in the Beltway began taking Cipro weeks prior to the anthrax attacks, and for how long? Unfortunately, the answer to that question remains unanswered, yet it has since been revealed that the person who had told these officials to take Cipro was none other than Dark Winter participant Jerome Hauer, who had previously served for nearly eight years at the U.S. Army Medical Research and Development Command, U.S. Amarduk, which oversees the U.S. Amrid Lab at Fort Detrick power on September 11th, 2001, again, a week before the first anthrax envelope was received, was the managing director of Kroll Inc.
2: <laughs> yeah. Why are you laughing, Peter, at Kroll Inc.? What <laughs> Kroll could you Inc. possibly yeah. associate with polarity? Like, it's only a matter of time until, like, UCB gets into this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, so we'll get into this, but I mean, yeah, Kroll Inc. is a little funny because, um you know it's a deeply evil uh major corporation and the the son of the founder is uh comedian nick Kroll.
1: yeah yeah
2: who's pretty funny
1: big mouth is an op
2: <laughs> yeah uh, i mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah how many yeah. scenes were there of, of them eating pizza on that show uh yeah i I mean i'm it's a good thing i can't remember it but like the the term that like pedophiles call themselves oh maps yeah yeah right so funny yeah netflix is map map propaganda yes yeah
1: all these horny kids yeah um (laughs) god damn uh so yeah kroll inc Uh, so jerome Hower. Was the managing director of Kroll, Inc., a private intelligence and security company. It is like Black Cube. Like, when you're talking about, like, catch and kill, like, Harvey Weinstein, all the Israeli private intelligence firms. uh, What is it? CSO Group or CDO Group or whatever it is. Kroll is one of those.
2: Right. And Kroll was involved with uh, Harvey Weinstein. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With, yeah, like, like... Uh, harassing and, like, discrediting his accusers.
1: Yeah. Kroll, Inc. Yeah. has been involved in all kinds of corporate espionage. They, yeah. like, stole industrial secrets from France, I think. Uh,
2: uh, right. And as this article is about to say, they were running security at the World Trade Center. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, informally known as the CIA of Wall Street, a company that French intelligence had accused of acting as a front for the actual CIA, Kroll, Inc. at the same time of the attacks was responsible for security at the World Trade Center complex. Yet, Howard was conveniently not present at his World Trade Center office on the day of the attacks, instead appearing on cable news. Uh, and then, like, part two is mostly about Jerome Hauer, and I we're not going to really get into it today. I encourage people to read this on their own, because we need to move on to Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, this is... Uh, uh, you know, it, uh, I think, I forget if it was Howard, but, like, there are people who were on TV on September 11th talking about anthrax and saying, like, what if there had been anthrax on these planes? Maybe there was anthrax on these planes. Uh, why were people talking about anthrax? Like, there there are just too many coincidences for this. And, I mean, not even coincidences. Like, there are just holes in the official narrative that don't make sense. Uh, if you know anything about, like, the way security was operating in the World Trade Centers the week of 9-11, like, that day in particular was bizarrely low security right after the Bush administration had gotten their, you know, uh, uh, Bin Laden determined to attack in US. Like, he's going to use planes to crash into a building. The northeast US is the, you know, most likely place to get hit. Like, you know, we get a little you know, uh, far afield when we start talking about all this stuff. But like, this was, I I mean... Um,
2: And if, yeah, look if, because I know how it sounds when we talk about this stuff. But like, uh, Truanon, which really is a very good podcast yeah. that like has journalists on to talk about this stuff, did a three-part series, which they called Bush Did 9-11. Yeah. Uh, I recommend people go ahead and listen to go that. Go listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, look. <laughs> look, folks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so... But I mean, I, yes, I and something they say in that podcast is... You, you kind of have to understand the anthrax attacks in two thousand one as part of nine eleven.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, yeah.
2: You can't really separate the two events.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So again, we can we can go down this hole for like hours and hours. Honestly, but uh, some of the most basic stuff to take away from this. Uh, view of the virus that you might not be getting otherwise and again I'm going to post this uh, article in the description I encourage everyone to read it it's a long read uh, honestly uh, but it's good um, and like, you know, read it multiple times Listen to Whitney Webb talk Because she like lays out the big points That are sometimes hard to get through There is this weird situation uh, Around this lab in Fort Detrick uh, Where there is chaos in this biowarfare lab That very possibly, like May have allegedly uh, Been involved in attacks Against members of the U.S. government Of the U.S. Congress uh, And like weird stuff going on In the last couple of months uh, with new scenarios being simulated that remind people a lot of what we're experiencing right now, that sound a lot like the uh, situation we're yeah. in right
2: now. Um, um, and, and also, as we've been saying, there's this military base that experiments with bioweapons, experiments with extremely deadly viruses, so including why do we have that? anthrax and coronavirus. And the CDC tried to shut them down because they lose shit. Yeah, they're, they lose vials of anthrax and coronavirus all the fucking time. <laughs> they do it for a job. Yeah, like, that's their work. Yeah, and then literally they'll just be like, "Yeah, don't worry about it. Like we probably just threw it away. Like, <laughs> like that vial of anthrax is probably just at the dump. Like don't worry too much." So this, I mean, yes, this whole thing is fucked.
1: Yeah. So yeah. this is kind of like, this is my, uh, I don't know if I would call this like 5G for my uh, conspiracy yeah. theory
2: rating. It's But it's definitely 4G. Yeah, this is like 4G. Yeah, my pocket is getting a little hot. <laughs> I probably shouldn't keep my phone in the same pocket every time I go out. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're heating up here a little bit. Yeah,
1: Thank that's you. that's maybe 4G. Yeah. That's 4G. All right. Um, so that's... That's your shot. Uh, let's do a little chaser. Yes. Okay?
2: And w- w- will we actually talk about the five G thing yes. at some point? Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> I don't know how long you'll let me go in this episode. Yeah. But um, uh, so let's let's actually do let's do a chaser that is the five G
2: theory. Yeah. People, let's explain we're to people. are making jokes about it. Right. Yeah. People
1: need to understand. You know, and what we're I don't about.
2: Really, I don't know what the deal is. Yeah.
1: This yeah. is this is not my favorite. Covid conspiracy, yeah, uh, but it
2: uh, it is one that has caught on a lot. Like people yes. are destroying five G towers. That's
1: right. Yeah, especially yeah. in the UK, this has become a big issue. Yeah.
2: And by and by the way, five G is the cell signal that we have now, right? Right. It's like. I yeah, mean, it depends
1: like, where you are. Depends like yeah. uh, it, how far it's advanced. But it's in like cities. you know,
2: when you see like an iPhone, like an AT and T commercial, it's like now with five G or whatever. Yeah, that's what we're talking
1: about, right? Yeah. And some of those, like my, f- I was talking to someone who knows better about this uh, yeah. a couple months back, before any of this stuff. But like still, when people were like, "Yeah, five G is going to control your mind" or whatever, uh, who was telling me like, because I said, "Look, my my iPhone, I got a new iPhone. It says five G on it. What am I using five G?" And he was like most likely not like, uh, you know, different things get fall fo- called 5g. It's called 5g because it's fifth generation yeah. of like cellular communication or like, I'm sure I'm using the wrong terms a lot of the time when we get you know, into the details on this. Uh, but it's like a new, uh, you know, way to codify information in the waves that they send out, uh, through, you know, cellular radiation, uh, so they can communicate like more information, like a broader bandwidth, uh, more quickly. Uh, it, you know, we, we got 3g, we got 4g, this is just 5g. And, uh, yeah, I want to be clear. I don't really buy any of the health concerns about 5G, really. Like, I don't—I haven't done my research, uh, honestly, and I don't know about, like— uh, Like, I remember when Stephen Colbert was joking about how y- your cell phone probably gave you cancer. Yeah. Like, that's gone down the memory hole. But, like, there's there's discussion there. Um, uh, you know, whatever. Like, people will talk about studies where, like, they put a phone next to a rat's head for a week and it died. Like, I yeah. don't really know about all that stuff. Uh. But, like, the the idea that 5G is a, like, massive health uh, risk to people, I don't buy into it. Um, And, like, you know, the real scandal, I think, behind 5G in a lot of ways, I mean, like, obviously there's a lot of corporate uh like uh, you know profiteering going on like the profits are not being distributed equally etc uh but one of the like weird things that you do find with 5g is this thing that you might have heard about where like 5g like the frequency is way too close to what weather satellites operate at what they take their information Mm -hmm. from and like it doesn't need to be there like this is what um you know someone who knows a lot more about this like a uh uh, an engineer who talked to me about this uh, like told me is that uh, the government had the option to regulate 5G to require it to be a different frequency, but it would have cost more for the telecom companies. Right, and so so and it's like
2: a regulatory capture. Exactly,
1: kind of it, yeah. it is exactly the regulatory agency has been captured by the lobbyists for the telecom industries. So we're going to see like our weather uh, prediction s- systems are going to get a lot less reliable. Both our government ones, like the military ones, and our private ones uh, that just tell you on your weather app what the weather's gonna be for the week will probably be messed up by 5G, and that's a corporate corruption issue. Uh, that's not a, like, harp is, you know, sending out signals yeah, right. to control people's brains issue. But so, yeah, this is the... the uh, So I, w- I would rate the 5G conspiracy theories generally, like, the whole range of them. Uh, I think this is a good example of, like, the extreme of them is... Um, I've got this one... The Reddit one that I've got here is so fun. And uh, so I... Saw this because it's been posted multiple places. Uh, But this is like, this is an example of like the most extreme out there version of like the 5G interest in coronavirus. The Chinese, this is from Reddit, this is from user Dites69 one month ago. The Chinese were all given mandatory vaccines last fall. The vaccine contained replicating, digitized in all caps controllable RNA, which were activated by 60 gigahertz millimeter 5G waves that were just turned on in Wuhan, as well as other countries using 60 gigahertz 5G with the smart dust that everyone on the globe has been inhaling through chemtrails. That's why when they say someone is cured, the virus can be digitally reactivated at any time, and the person can literally drop dead. The Diamond Princess cruise ship was specifically (laughs) equipped with 60 gigahertz 5G. (laughs) It's basically remote assassination. Americans are currently breathing in this Smart dust through chemtrails. Think of it like this. Add the comment. Bah 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 bah. More of this kind of stuff. This is like the most. uh This is you know the 190 proof conspiracy theory yeah. uh, around 5G. And I would rate this as like a 2G corona conspiracy. Yes. And I
2: might uh just to make it a little spicier yeah. here. Uh you've seen Adam Curtis's hypernormalization. For sure. Everybody should watch that documentary at yeah, some point. I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, right. They talk about how uh the government kind of disseminates and promotes fringe theories to discredit uh other fringe theories. Yes. So is it possible that when we talk about like coronavirus conspiracy theories, it's all like 5G, 5G, 5G? is maybe, like, disseminated by people who want that kind of uncredible conspiracy theory to be the face of coronavirus conspiracies. Yes. Um, Totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, right, obviously. And, like, the a lot of people might have uh, heard about the 5G coronavirus conspiracy theory shit uh, around David Icke. Who like I don't know if we've talked about David Icke a lot on the podcast. Uh, I'm like a crypto David Icke listener. I like think he's a fascinating wacko. I like don't believe that lizards run the world or anything, except metaphorically.
2: Uh, Yeah, he's he's kind of like the British Alex Jones. Yes, but he's been in it much longer. In that he has controlled opposition. (laughs) Well, exactly. (laughs) Right. 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 And kind of like QAnon too, or Pizzagate. Right. Like. Yeah, like uh,
1: they uh, sound like the truth, like the the thing that is actually being hidden, but they're obviously like Fringe, and they're like so clearly wrong. Like, the fact that this is what uh, newspaper mainstream media chooses to talk about when they're talking about alternate theories uh, around all of these issues uh, you know, the elite yeah. pedophile rings uh, or coronavirus or any of this stuff uh, yeah, should tell you something about if not that like David Icke is an op, at least that the mainstream media has some interest in covering those uh, alternate theories more than others yeah so yeah David Icke did this interview on YouTube where he says 5G is going to control people's minds I found it on like some Spanish language website uh, because like I couldn't find it anywhere else because YouTube took it off and this is this is a really scary thing about coronavirus crisis time is that it has been an excuse for more government and corporate overreach in every area so YouTube when this David Icke interview dropped where David Icke said 5G is controlling people's brains uh, and giving us coronavirus and coronavirus virus doesn't exist. It's not a real virus. Right after that interview, YouTube took down that interview's video on their platform and in fact changed the rules of their site to allow them to take down that video. So now you're not allowed to deny the existence of COVID-19 on YouTube's platform. You're not allowed to disseminate certain alt theories about coronavirus on YouTube's platform. And like, I'm not a free speech bro most of the time, but like, there was no conversation about this. YouTube just made that decision, and it, it, it like, makes it hard to distinguish between these things. You don't get to, like, read it, you know, read it or listen to it for yourself. Uh, I don't like that. I think David Icke should be allowed most places uh, at this point. Like, yeah, like, let people yeah, argue with him. Yeah, and
2: I mean, like, we've talked about this endlessly, but, like, this is part of what makes the whole, like, narrative about, like, Russian disinformation so dangerous. Right. Because, and it's definitely been used in, in the context of coronavirus. I
1: mean, so... Yeah. yeah, that that is for sure another. I would call that a separate uh, Corona conspiracy. Well,
2: this is the mainstream conspiracy, exactly. theory, Right, this is the conspiracy theory that'll be in the New York Times. This is what, that, you, like, yeah, yeah. You, you
1: called this in one of our text conversations, the official conspiracy. Yeah, theory. yes, is yeah.
2: that like Russia is doing coronavirus disinformation,
1: which is. A dog shit conspiracy theory. Yeah,
2: it's it's so predictable and bullshit. (laughs) And, like, it's obvious to anybody who's paying attention what the game is here, which is, like, it is a way, exactly what you're saying. Like, you use fringe people like David Icke and this, like, specter of Russian interference as a way to, like, clamp down on any kind of, like, questioning of the official narrative. Yeah. And as we started this episode out, like... It is a certainty that the official narrative right now will change. That's always how it works when you're living through huge, tumultuous historical moments. What's the official narrative right now will not be the official narrative 20 years from now. But there's all of these controls in place, like the Russian disinformation narrative and like fringe figures like Alex Jones and David Icke uh, being deployed to kind of limit the range of, of... what you're allowed to discuss in con- in the context of coronavirus. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it is, like, Obama retweeted that. I forget if it was Washington Post or New York Times, but, like, one of the big gray ladies, you know, fake news newspapers, talked about how, yeah, like, Russia is using disinformation to—maybe uh, I can even, like, look this up specifically, the Obama—
2: I'm seeing an article now that Mark Ames shared in the New York Post that Sweden is having like extremely high death rate relative to other places. Because you know, they're like the experiment in not locking down. Yeah,
1: I haven't been following this as much, but I've heard people refer to that. Yeah,
2: Sweden's controversial decision to refuse coronavirus lockdown, you might want to cut this stuff, uh, lockdown measures is taking its toll with the number of deaths up to 17 times higher than its Nordic neighbors, Jesus according to reports.
1: And not, like, as a percentage of the people who get infected, right? Just, like, generally their deaths are much higher.
2: Well, the, yeah, let me see. That's what it seems to say. This is a pretty short article. Yeah, right. Uh, the country... Yeah, in Sweden, the fatalities have topped 1,300 on third on Thursday. Far worse than uh, Denmark, which has reported 321. Norway has reported 150. Finland has reported 75. So... And that's, like, the Alex Berenson thing, too. Like, we should be, like, Sweden.
1: Right, yeah. Well, let's see how that experiment goes, I guess. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And I, like, yeah. I mean, this is, um, yeah, I don't know if you want to include this in the pod, um, but uh, I, I think there are, like, there are alt theories on coronavirus that it is, like, not as big a deal as the official narrative, and theories that are it is much more of a big deal than the official narrative. Yeah. Uh, I kind of think there's truth to both in some ways but I definitely like my knee-jerk reaction is that it is much worse than uh, people are like when the government lies which the US government is lying about how many deaths and how many cases there are I think they are undercounting more than they are overcounting.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's definitely true that they're undercounting the coronavirus deaths. Yeah. Which, I mean, happens like with almost any kind of catastrophe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Like Katrina. Yeah. Like...
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I saw there was like a Harvard study that, uh, like, we're basically going to be, you know, doing some version of like quarantining until like 2022. Yeah. Which right. Is like, uh... <sighs> I but, know.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. Everyone's going to be. I mean, you used to say like the first order of a new socialist regime should be radical degrowth it should be like uh, abolishing fossil fuels and moving people out into the countryside or like uh, rather like moving people into cities from the suburbs or whatever Uh, really the first order of a socialist regime is going to be issuing everyone a hazmat suit so they can survive in the toxic environment that capitalism left behind yeah Um, so this is uh, Barack Obama shared this article from the New York Times which is Putin's long war against American science a decade of health disinformation. Did you
2: say Obama shared this article? Obama
1: shared this article. Obama shared this article and tweeted it God, saying...
2: he doesn't do fuck all. Saying,
1: democracy depends on an informed citizenry and social cohesion. Here's a look at how misinformation can spread through social media and why it can hurt our ability to respond to crisis. Yeah,
2: like disinformation in a time of crisis, like when uh, Barack Obama like drank a big glass of water like in front of all the Flint, Michigan... Uh, residents and was like, the water's fine. When he knew that it wasn't and it was infected with lead. That kind of disinformation. It is. There you go.
0: Uh, You know, generally I have not been doing stunts here, but, you know. And uh, this used uh, a filter. Um, You know, the water around this table, uh, you know, was plant water that was filtered. And it just confirms uh, what we know scientifically, which is... Uh, that uh, if you're using a filter, if you're installing it, uh, then Flint water at this point is drinkable. Uh, That does not, I want to repeat, negate the need for us to go ahead and replace some of these pipes because ultimately you want a system in which you don't have to put a filter on it in order to be assured that it's safe. Yeah, or like when Obama,
1: I mean, uh, now, uh, what is it, NBC or CBS is reporting this? I mean, they're reporting it as reported fact from people who know that— uh, not only was the Biden campaign so excited for Wisconsin to hold their election date and not move it, they, in fact, made it a big selling point for Bernie to make him drop out. And Obama emphasized that every time he talked to Bernie Sanders. He said, like, you know, like, this date is not going to get moved. You're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Obama, for the information what you gave monster. us. What a monster. Yeah, what a fucking blood-soaked freak.
2: Uh, and, like, of course, he doesn't do any—he doesn't—I mean, look, we <laughs> we can go into, like, how awful Obama is <laughs> i mean i think everybody knows that at this point yeah um it really is amazing
1: it really <laughs> like, yeah
2: i mean there's like a small group of people who like will still defend obama but it really is amazing how much his reputation has collapsed after like leaving office yeah uh, because we we can all assess like what a huge failure his presidency was yeah obviously um yeah what a fucking yeah, monster.
1: So yeah, Russia did uh, coronavirus, or Russia did coronavirus misinformation. Uh, dog shit. Uh, it sucks. Uh, yeah. We don't like it. One G. I can't even. I walk yeah. up a hill that's you know got me a ten feet elevation above sea level. I can't even send a text. Yeah, the the uh,
2: yeah one G. This is like a landline. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That no. sucks.
1: My heart is functioning normally. No mind control happening to me. One G. Bullshit.
2: Oh, God, what a fucking monster. And, like, Obama has, like, not said anything the whole Trump administration. <laughs> like, he'll only pipe up to be like, yeah, my, like, product I mean, he... <laughs> like, my production company has, like, a new film out. You should all see
1: it. Uh, I got an Emmy? Yeah. Uh-
2: <laughs> uh, and, like, he'll also be like, yeah, uh, remember, like, uh, the biggest threat is uh, Facebook memes <laughs> from Russia. Like, what a fucking waste. God damn. God
1: damn. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Oh, and um, talk about another, uh, just, uh, you know, I think a lot of these things are going to occur to me as we go. Whitney Webb did mention this, that, like, this push for um, an all-mail-in election that the Democrats are now starting to, like, get behind yeah. is not necessarily great. First of all, like, elections are bullshit. I don't like elections. <laughs> uh, elections are bad for your health and the society you yeah. live in. But, uh, like... Whitney Webb pointed out there have been a lot of discrepancies with mail-in ballots. Like, I have sent mail-in ballots that I know were not counted. Yeah, of course. Like, I I just know that. I I spoke to election officials, and I was like, look, I just want to make sure you got it. And they've been like, yeah, we got it. Like, I know it didn't get counted. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Whitney Webb mentions in particular— Well, I
2: definitely agree with that. I have no faith in the ability of, of our government or any state to be able to successfully do an entire mail-in election. No,
1: no, of course not. And so Whitney Webb has uh, emphasized this, that in fact, one Debbie Wasserman Schultz— had some very interesting inconsistencies with mail-in ballots in her Florida election. Uh, so yeah, just watch out when people say that's what we should be pushing for is a mail-in election. Uh, no, we should be pushing for the dictatorship of the proletariat. Okay. So, uh, step off here. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we can, you know, (laughs) there's, there's like all kinds of, uh, 5G shit to talk about, but I think we basically covered the like most important points about it. Uh, one of the interesting things is the, and so this is what I really want to get into, uh, as we sort of start to get into closing out. Um, like our list of uh, coronaspiracies. Uh, One of the big ones is the War drum to China uh, To, you know, make war against China This kind of theory that whatever happened Whether China introduced coronavirus Purposely, whether they Accidentally leaked it from a Bioweapons lab, whether they Allowed it to develop because of their Disgusting, you know, dietary practices uh, Or because of their, like Industrial incompetence and lack of Regulation, or any of these Variations, Uh, China hid the numbers They uh, are hiding how many people Died, Uh, they are lying about you know the development of the disease they hid it from the World Health Organization and from the US and from the international community they're giving aid to countries to you know up their uh, uh, influence in the world or they're not giving aid to up their influence in the world whatever it is the kind of China has to be held accountable theory of coronavirus is a conspiracy theory that I think we need to address. Yeah. Um, And this is, so I would say this is our second to last one. I have one more that is my like ultimate. Uh, But yeah, just quickly, like China, uh, coronaspiracy, uh, what's the deal there? And it's interesting. I just mention it now because the 5G conspiracy theory is something that is brought up even on the right wing in the, uh, uh, war drums to China, uh, conspiracy, like, realm. I want to play this clip from this, uh, event. This is a panel, uh, done by, uh, the CPDC, which is Steve Bannon's new think tank. Cool. Steve Bannon was on Red Scare, talked about the threat of China, all this stuff. Uh, did Red Scare shit, you know, on Red Scare. Yeah. Uh, Steve Bannon has been like making the rounds again. Um, and Steve Bannon, in fact, has been funded by this weird, like, Chinese refugee billionaire. Uh there's like something very bizarre going on with Steve Bannon. And like you might say Steve Bannon he's a crank, nobody cares, but he was one of the most powerful people in the US for a, a good chunk of time. So like when we're talking about like, you know, the Project for a New American Century, PNAC, uh like was a very influential think tank. Like yeah. that's where all the neocons came through. Uh and like I am really concerned about stuff like Committee on the Present Danger, China which is Steve Bannon's new think tank, uh, uh, CPDC, Committee on the Present Danger, China. And uh, I want to play this... Oh, my God. uh, I want to play this clip, and we'll talk more about, like, this committee. This stuff is
2: really scary. It is really terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Yeah, like, it's been, uh, for as long as, like, Bannon has been a public figure, it has been clear, like, one of his core things is that he wants a war with China. Not that he wants a war with China. He believes war with China is inevitable, yes. and therefore we should do it right away. That's right, yeah. It's like the Machiavelli thing of, like, war can never be delayed to your advantage. So, like, if you know we're destined for war with China, we gotta do it now. Right. That is such a terrifying ideology. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, the fact that, like, he at one time had such sway with Trump. It doesn't seem like he really does anymore, but clearly he has, like, sway in this, like, very potentially powerful political movement. And now all, like, the Democrats are on board with, like, war with China. That's right. That's this right. Is, it's fucking terrifying.
1: So, yeah, I mean, this yeah. is, I You should say this uh, on the pod. This is something you texted me earlier when I was uh, texting you about uh, this uh, committee on the present danger of China. <sighs> um, is, uh, like... Yeah, do you want to say this comment? Like, well, uh, I just thought this was really interesting.
2: I, I don't remember you I'm should talking say that. Yeah, yeah, so
1: this was, um, uh, like, I texted you about this committee and, uh, you know, Steve Bannon's new war with China that he's trying to promote. And, uh, like, that he has a think tank that's promoting it. And you said, you know, it's really scary to think about, but I think Trump knows not to go to war with China. I'm not sure if you can say the same about Biden. Yeah,
2: and certainly the people who will you know because biden is a is a cipher there's no there's there no, is no biden yeah there's no man there right. anymore uh <laughs> so like the the democratic like machine that comes in when he gets elected if he gets elected um the lobbyist coup yes. that we were talking about last week yeah um i do not have really any confidence that they will know better than to start a war with China.
1: And this is not who will be speaking in this clip, but on this panel that I'm playing this from, this is from February of this year, and they actually start this video... Uh, by mentioning, uh, you know, we're doing uh, these panels in uh, Iowa and New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina. We're doing it in all the early voting states during this presidential primary because we want to make this China issue a part of the conversation in this next election. They are, you know, doing this in a very calculated way. And one of the people speaking on this panel is Gordon Chang, who uh, is famous for his book The Coming Collapse of China, which was written in like the early 2000s. And people have been doing this since the 80s. You know, since 89, it was China's about to collapse or whatever. Uh, But so Gordon Chang is one of these big, uh, like obviously, you know, State Department or whatever funded uh, think tank voices who's always talking about making war with China. And I have seen like very mainstream Democrats uh, retweet his stuff or be interested in him. Uh, Marco Rubio is a big fan of Gordon Chang and of all these kind of people we're going to be like seeing uh, in the new, uh, you know, uh, drive to war with China. Uh, So like, yeah, it might not be Trump. It might not be Biden who does this war, but like there is a movement for this that is really close to uh, the presidency. It's in the halls of power. So I just want to play this clip because I thought it was uh, fascinating.
0: They know us better than we know them. They watch Pearl Harbor and they know they had better not awaken this great giant of innovation and courage. And so what they are doing is they are on a path of strategy that is trying to not awaken the great giant, subtly and slowly taking over our businesses, buying up our debt, dominating markets that give them information dominance. And Huawei and 5G is the manifestation of that information dominance that is going to move into space in a space layer with a quantum backbone that is coming our way faster than we think. They are going to dominate the energy markets by dominating space and the electromagnetic spectrum and what you can do to paralyze markets that have not been designed for that kind of power. And they plan on having those power generation plants in space in the next 10 years, and we will see those coming.
1: So this just really caught my ear or whatever, uh, because, yeah, I did not expect this 5G issue to come up in this context of another conspiracy theory about coronavirus. Uh, But yeah, there is a common thread where, uh, yeah, they're really interested in 5G, uh, you know, coming out in China. And there is like a tech race between China and the U.S. to get 5G up. Uh, but yeah, this thing about Huawei, like stealing tech and getting 5g as like a way to control our information is, you know, becoming very mainstream too. So just wanted to point that out. Um, you know, we don't have to like talk too much more about the China stuff. I think, you know, people know what we're talking about and we will unfortunately be talking about it a lot more because this is not going away. And I just like a fun one. Did you see, uh that like the new remember the main for the war against China, it could be China bans animal crossing. No. (laughs) Uh China allegedly banned animal all these headlines are like china bans animal crossing that's not exactly true if you go to the original reuters article about this (laughs) uh like it turns out that china is like they heavily regulate any foreign games that come in and their own games that originate domestically and so like nintendo was selling official state sanctioned versions of animal crossing through tencent which is a chinese company which they don't have the multiplayer aspect included it's just you on your island Uh, And for a while, it seemed like there was tacit approval for the gray market online markets that were selling foreign copies of the game. So you could do like, you know, multiplayer and go visit someone else or whatever. And since Joshua Wong... Uh, like, did a propaganda <laughs> where, like, the State Department bought him a copy of Animal Crossing in a Switch Light and he... He's the, like,
2: Hong Kong guy yeah. that, like, takes photos with Marco Rubio. Exactly,
1: exactly. Uh, Marco Rubio loves him, has him visit all the time. Uh, Joshua Wong did a, like, thing where... Uh, and you can see the pictures of this. It's amazing. Uh, Joshua Wong uh, did this uh spectacle where... He, like, got a bunch of his uh, activist friends to, like, gather on his island and hold a mock funeral for uh, Xi Jinping and the head of the WHO, the head of the WHO. Uh, They were, like, showing them, you know, on funeral placards and, like, having a mock funeral for them and, uh, like, had signs reading Wuhan pneumonia and shit like that. And it's awesome. Like, I'm tempted to make that the art for today, but I'll definitely include a link in the episode. Uh, But it's like, thank God China banned Animal (laughs) Crossing. Thank God China banned Animal Crossing. Um, And they didn't even really ban Animal Crossing. They banned, like, if you really want to be accurate, it's more like they banned gatherings on Animal Crossing islands, you know? Uh, Like, shut up about this. So we're going a little long, obviously. I'm not sure if we'll make this over time. We'll see how long this takes. Uh, But... There's just one more... Okay, so what did we talk? We talked, uh, you know, Fort Detrick. We talked 5G, uh, Russia, China. Is that it so far? Did we hit anything else?
2: Um, Like, Russia stuff. Russia stuff, like... China. Yeah.
1: Okay, so th- we've got four so far. Uh, and, you know, the closest to... The the highest one so far for me has been the 4G one that is the Fort Detrick one. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: Uh, This... Is my five G coronavirus conspiracy theory? It's the least. Is this come this upcoming one? It's the least fleshed out one, uh, as far as like my knowledge of it. Um, I don't really know exactly, uh, you know, the the, t- the timeline or, like, the uh, intent that's supposed to be, you know, gleaned from this, which I think is what makes it so good as a conspiracy theory, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, is that, like, the things we know about it are just these bits and pieces, uh, and they are so disturbing, and you don't know what to do with them. This is the Bill Gates-Jeffrey Epstein connections view of coronavirus, Uh, and this is, this is my favorite one. This is 5g, uh, like it is taking over my mind. Uh, it has, you know, digitally inserted RNA into my system through chemtrails and is activating them. (laughs) Uh, I'm ready for this. So, okay. So Bill Gates... (laughs) <laughs> What's wrong with Bill Gates? Who could hate Bill Gates, right? Uh, you might have seen Bill Gates is all over the place uh, during this coronavirus crisis. He has become the expert on coronavirus. Yeah, well, I've
2: seen people circulating like this old TED talk from Bill Gates that's like, we are not prepared for a pandemic right, or whatever. Right. And
1: he's been talking about pandemics for a long time. It's true. And he's been running some of these simulations uh, in terms of response and like how to respond to uh, pandemic outbreaks, Right. He also, it is true, has talked a lot about uh, overpopulation as an issue that is close to his heart, and particularly overpopulation in certain parts of the world, right? Uh, Bill Gates has been really concerned about population growth in Africa in particular. Uh, A lot of what he funds is... Uh, you know, birth control efforts in Africa, which, like, you know, we love birth control, but I I have a lot of suspicions uh, about, you know, the kind of targeted uh, support for birth control that Bill Gates is yeah. doing. Yeah,
2: also there is, like, and correct me if I'm, like, misinterpreting this, but there is kind of this fundamental disconnect going on with, like, Bill Gates' thing about, like, overpopulation and, like, specifically in Africa, because it all has to kind of do with, like, climate change and, like, consumption of resources um, and, of course, like, people in Africa consume far fewer resources right. than people in other... Like, right. if you want to talk about, like, overpopulation because of climate change, you got to start with, like, Europe and America. Yeah.
1: And particularly with the ruling class in yeah, Europe right. and America. If you want to start...
2: And, of, of course, that's also why, like, when Bill Gates or, like, Jane Goodall or any of these people talk about, like, how overpopulation is related to uh, climate change, they're really aligning what really matters. Because it's not that we we could have a lot more people on this planet and everyone could live well and we could and live sustainably we would just need to really address how people in america and the developed world are consuming resources that's yeah. the issue it's not overpopulation
1: right it is just a right wing talking point it's not true yeah. scientifically it is right and when
2: you say right wing it's people like bill gates and right. like i mean it's dems too right right yeah.
1: yeah yeah i mean as if like right or left means anything when you're talking about the Pedophile elite that run the world. Yeah, right. Parody, parody. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, right? I, th- I think the best response to people who say, like, we need fewer people on the planet is the same response you should give to people who say, like, let's get back to work and sacrifice ourselves for the economy, is you first, buddy. You know? Uh, like, so, okay, so Bill Gates is really interested in uh, overpopulation, population control, whatever. Um, kind of concerning, you know, if he's the person who everyone's turning to now, who, you know, not just because he allegedly has this expertise or whatever, but because he has all the money, you know, uh, and this is you know, one of the big problems with uh, the coronavirus alt takes is like, it's unclear which ones are, you know, uh, so sinister that they're trying to bring us to war with China, and which ones are just the kind of sinister that they're trying to get massive, like all, all the people involved in, um, very many of the people involved in uh, Whitney Web article that she's reporting uh, on, Uh, these people all work for pharmaceutical companies, right? Like, these are the drug dealers in the world. It's not Nicolas Maduro. It's, uh, you know, Eli Lilly or whatever. Uh, It's all these places, like, putting out opiates into the U.S. population, getting everyone purposely addicted to this shit. And they're all, like, reaping in the biggest payday. In the coronavirus crisis, they're all getting uh, these contracts to develop the vaccines, to copyright the vaccines. Trump said specifically, uh, you know, I'm not going to give this shit away. Uh, He tried to steal German scientists who were working on a vaccine. He tried to poach them so that America could have the copyright and sell it because if the Germans or God forbid the Chinese develop a vaccine, they'll give it away. Yeah. They'll make everyone have it. Uh, so you know you can't have that. Someone has to make a buck off this. So you know th- it's hard to tell what's corporate grift conspiracy theory, what's yeah. you know death cult conspiracy theory, and what the difference is between right.
2: them. Like as if there was any doubt that America is, are the baddies, <laughs> that are, <laughs> like that Mitchell and Web sketch that we're like the bad guys. We are like fighting China in like international court so that. American corporations can profit on the coronavirus vaccine. Right. China is trying to give it away for free. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, okay, so there's that element, right, that Bill Gates is, like, all of these people, he is where all the money is concentrated. So you have to go to him to decide how to respond to this, Uh, just like you can, you know, go to the government and they get to decide, like, how much surveillance we have to be under and you don't get to ask questions about that, etc. But- it gets more disturbing the more you look into Bill Gates's associations and who was really involved in his scientific and like pandemic-specific projects. Uh, particularly, you might have seen that picture of Bill Gates standing next to Jeffrey Epstein. You know this famous picture.
2: This one. Uh, sure, yeah. This
1: is the one from the New York Times article that before this coronavirus app uh, that we were prepping for, I hadn't read this full New York Times article. Uh, well, I guess I had read the Bill Gates met with Jeffrey Epstein many times, despite his past, uh, but I hadn't read, uh, and that's where this image comes from. It's Bill Gates standing next to Jeffrey Epstein, and there are a couple other people in the photo. Uh, one of those other people is this guy, this is going to be hard to move my computer, this guy... Boris Nikolic, okay. MD, right? This is him on the other side of Bill Gates uh, and on the other side is Jeffrey Epstein. There's all three of them in a row, right? Uh... Boris Nikolic is, uh, Dr. Nikolic, MD, (laughs) is a physician and investor who previously served as chief advisor for science and technology to Bill Gates, leading select for-profit and not-for-profit investment activities. His investments spanned the life science, information technology, and healthcare sectors, including companies such as Foundation Medicine, ResearchGate, Schrodinger, and Nimbus Therapeutics. And uh, this is his page, this is his bio on Biomatics... Capital, which I guess is a, yeah, an investment firm. Uh, This is the guy in the picture where Bill Gates is standing next to Jeffrey Epstein. When Jeffrey Epstein needed a backup, this is Bloomberg News reported this. When Jeffrey Epstein needed a backup person to handle his estate, he chose Boris Nikolic. Boris Nikolic ended up being the executor of Jeffrey Epstein's estate after he quote unquote died. Wow. And he's in the picture with Bill Gates with Jeffrey Epstein. Right. There's more about this. This guy... So, yeah, Boris Nikolic uh, runs Twist Bioscience. Uh... This is, um, uh, wait, hold on, I've got to go. yeah, uh, this is, you know, a NASDAQ traded, uh, yeah, Biomatics Capital, okay, so this is, like, a portion of Biomatics Capital, I've kind of lost the thread when I'm looking into this, again, this is, like, so hard to keep all these names and shit, safe, uh, uh, straight or whatever, um, but this is, uh, so Twist Bioscience, this aspect of Biomatics Capital, uh, that, you know, is run by Nikolic, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's executor of his estate uh, has on their website to control the disease. The Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations (CEPI) you might have seen CEPI is like Bill Gates's big project. Recently awarded Innovio Pharmaceuticals a grant up to nine million dollars to develop a vaccine. Innovio was already working on a vaccine for a related virus, MERS-CoV, uh, putting them in an excellent position to pivot towards the newer 2019-NCoV. Twist is working closely with Innovio, contributing genetic material to support the company's DNA medicine platform. But the Innovio collaboration is only one aspect of Twist's contribution. Our ability to quickly synthesize individual 2019 Encov genes helps researchers study the virus. Uh, you know, they're bragging about their ability to make coronavirus very quickly. And this, from this Business Insider article, this is all a thread that I'm reading from by Oedipa Mass, who, like, is a great Twitter follow, uh, at Bridgie Therese is her uh, handle, um, but I've been getting more and more into her, and uh, she has this bit from Business Insider on Innovio's involvement in the coronavirus uh, development. Researchers plan to dose the first person on Monday. The experimental vaccine was developed by Innovio Pharmaceuticals, and the effort has received funding from... The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, CEPI. So uh, what are we to make of these kind of connections between Bill Gates, who is a friend of Jeffrey Epstein, uh, said in this New York Times article about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Bill Gates said in emails that have been revealed, "Uh, I really like Jeffrey Epstein personally. Uh, Like, I think he's a very impressive, interesting character. I really admire his lifestyle, but I don't think I could keep it up. That's the kind of things Jeffrey Epstein, uh, that Bill Gates has to say about Jeffrey Epstein?
2: Yeah, I mean, the whole Bill Gates-Jeffrey Epstein connection is, like, very weird. And, uh, I mean, like, wasn't it, like, a month or two ago when, like, Bill Gates basically, like, retired from public life because of the Jeffrey Epstein stuff? It wasn't made explicit, but, like, clearly because of Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah,
1: like like, uh, Les Wexner... Uh, Bill Gates quietly stepped down from his position at, I guess, Microsoft, and uh, yeah, it was very clearly because his reputation has been so shattered by this Epstein association that's come out since, uh, but not shattered enough that now, you know, the news can't rehabilitate him and have him on the TV all the time telling you what you should do and where you should give money and uh, what you should, you know, let him do to you. Um, and Edipa Mass makes this uh, point from above, this quote, twist is contributing genetic material to support Innovio should probably hit at least a little bit different after you've read articles like this, Just Saying, and then links to the New York Times article, now infamous, Jeffrey Epstein hoped to seed human race with his DNA. And you might have read this whole article before, because, you know, you're a much bigger Epstein head <laughs> than I am. Uh, but I had not read this full article before, and it is astounding.
2: That Jeffrey Epstein wanted it seed the world with he wanted to be like Genghis Khan yes yeah, yeah. and, and the, that was I wrote a play about Jeffrey Epstein where that's an element of it
1: and uh, like this article gets into so many bizarre specifics about Jeffrey Epstein's theories about science and biotech and like we joked about the bronze age pervert uh kind of transhumanism uh yeah. like fanfic about Mitt Romney last week Uh, The thread that describes the Romney, you know, becoming the synthesis of technology and Christianity, like the body that is the Romney taking over the world and spreading his tendrils uh, that are equal parts, you know, man and machine over the world. But Jeffrey Epstein really talked like that. Like, Jeffrey Epstein had some very weird ideas about the future, and, like, he is describing eugenics. Like, Jeffrey Epstein, like Bill Gates, was very concerned with overpopulation, talked about it all the time. In fact, um, Steven Pinker claims that that's what his fallout with Jeffrey Epstein was over, that one time Steven Pinker uh, disagreed with him about the need to lower the population on the Earth, and Epstein never spoke to him again and Hmm. never invited him anywhere again. It seems like a convenient story for Pinker, but... Uh, Interesting. And yeah, Epstein like specifically had this plot that he would describe to multiple people, scientists and physicists and Nobel Prize winners. Uh, Oliver Sacks was one of his friends. (laughs) Like the guy who wrote uh, The Man Who Mistook His 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 Hat for His Wife or whatever. His wife for a hat. Uh, was a friend of Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, really?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh. Oh, I know. (laughs) And, you know, so this is another weird thing about, like, the Epstein connection with bioscience is, like, a lot of these people seem to have just wanted his money. And, like, maybe they also wanted more from Jeffrey Epstein. Who knows uh, in a lot of these cases. But part of it was, like... Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein had the money, and Jeffrey Epstein was where Bill Gates sent his money through. Like, that was his through-man, that was his pass-along to get money to MIT Media Lab, was Jeffrey Epstein, uh, to get Bill Gates' money there. So the whole bioscience industry is so corrupt top to bottom with, like, you know, the Fort Dietrich kind of uh, industry, the Kroll, Inc. kind of industry, but also this kind of, like, Jeffrey Epstein-X that we don't know anything about. Yeah. And... Uh, So all these people are begging Jeffrey Epstein for money. He's their source. He gets to decide where this money is spent. He has decided, you know, our whole, uh, uh, like, bioscience industry, like, sections of that industry at least, uh, has been defined by whatever interests Jeffrey Epstein was serving, whether they were his own or somebody else's. And this stuff about, like, specifically Jeffrey Epstein had this plot to gather groups of 30 women at a time at his New Mexico ranch and seed them with his DNA, impregnate them, uh, 30 at a time every day, uh, to, you know, spread his DNA through the world. Active eugenics to make him, you know, the, the, the or man the Adam for the new race. Yeah. Uh, these theories that Jeffrey Epstein had about how Adams act like investors in a marketplace. Huh. Like Jeffrey Epstein was a the- – we talked about yeah. Hobbes the other day. Jeffrey Epstein was a theory of reality. Yeah. He, he was a, a, a natural philosopher who had sway among Bill Gates, among like leaders in our country. You know, I think to deny the influence of Epstein and, you know, this guy who, uh, Nikolic, who uh, was his executor, who is very involved in Bill Gates's uh, projects around coronavirus, I think it would be uh, naive to say that there's, like, not something there and not something to look into. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's so fucked up. And definitely, like, all of Bill Gates, like, quote-unquote philanthropy is obviously just about, like, projecting power— and yeah, and he's a fucking uh, creep that hangs out with Jeffrey Epstein. It should be obvious to anyone.
1: Uh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, Epstein might not have, I mean, who knows? He might have, but he might not have seeded, you know, the human DNA yet with his, uh, like, frozen head and penis or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but. There's still time for him. Like, he wanted cryonics. He wanted to last longer. And he's at least lasting in the money that he's leaving behind. Nikolic can tell you all about it. He got to oversee how that money got uh, distributed after Jeffrey Epstein died. So I think it's a really interesting connection. I really don't know what to make of all of it. But, like, you know, am I going to take the Bill Gates-developed vaccine? I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, God. Yeah. So that, I give that 5G. That's my 5G. Okay, yeah, that is, conspiracy. Uh, yeah,
2: I'm, I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, look, some fucked up stuff, um, I think that's, I think we've gone on for a while. Yeah, we so need to cut it there, for sure. It. Let me just, uh, give a rest in peace to Brian Dennehy, who, uh, I'm just seeing on Twitter, passed away. Who is Brian Dennehy? Uh, great actor. Really? I died at 81, like legendary character actor, Brian Dennehy uh, passed away. So rip, but uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Thanks so much. We'll see you again next week.